Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. But I was expecting absolutely nothing from last night, and somehow I got even less than that. I mean, trust this. Believe me when I tell you this. The last thing I want to do is come in here every single Friday and go off about how crappy Thursday night football is. It's the last thing I want to do. However... I have to do it first thing because it's my job. There's no way I can talk about that bleep show without crapping all over that bleep show because it was crap. And if I'm going to sit through that crap like that, then I'm going to call it for what it is. Yes, Washington won that game. I guess, technically, that's what the scoreboard said. Somebody wins, somebody loses, unless there's a tie. So yes, I'll give them that. They won. Except nobody deserved to win that game. And we all deserved a hell of a lot better than we got. So the commanders are probably feeling pretty good about themselves. They came in having lost four in a row. And most of all, they will tell you, we're not going to apologize for that win. We're not going to apologize for how that looks. Now, let me tell you something. You should. You should apologize. You owe all of us an apology. Anyone who had anything to do with that game owes us an apology. In fact, I want a personal apology. Anybody who coached, anybody who played, anybody who had anything to do with the broadcast owes us an apology because that was several hours of ass, historic ass. Serial ass. I mean, how many times in a lifetime, much less in a single season or even a single month, Can I say, that was the worst game I have ever witnessed in my entire life? And mean it. And it was, and I do. Like the Commanders, they're just bad. They're really bad. They're just not as bad as Chicago, who is pretty much the worst. Like, I'm not really sure why I'm taking this so personally. I really don't know. Why am I taking this so personally? I don't know. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Because that's time and money wasted that I will never, ever get back. I am taking it personally. I'm taking it personally because the product is ass. Let me tell you something. If I showed up here, if I showed up like that once a week, every single week, and I gave you the jungle equivalent of that, how pissed would you be? And you'd have every right to be. Am I overreacting? Hell no. I'm not. I know I'm not. Carson Wentz didn't even throw for 100 yards. The Bears outgained Washington by nearly 180 yards. The commanders were pitiful, but somehow, someway, Chicago found a way to lose because they always do. As always, they do. They found a way to lose. But you know, the biggest loser of all in all of this, all of us, all of us, is it me or didn't they fire Coach Pennis? I thought they ran Coach Pennis. Can anybody spot a single difference in this Bears team? Perfect example of what I'm talking about, the muff. muff. The muff. muff. The muff that ruined the game for Chicago. Muff. That was an extremely Coach Pennis thing to have happen and an extremely fitting turning point for this horror show of a game. High kick, and it's going to send Jones back all the way to the nine. 
Washington trying to jump on it. Jones recovers to get his body in there. That could have been complete calamity, and it may. Holmes could have the been. Commanders, and they've got it. Washington recovers at the oh, five. The rookie Jones with a major gaff. It hit him right in the face mask. So on brand. So on brand for that franchise. And that right there is the only reason Washington even found the end zone. Because of a muff. That muff was Washington's best offense all season. Washington fan should start a new chant. That chant should just be muff, 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 muff. Because that's their best offense. That's their best hope. That's the only way they're getting into the end zone. Like, there was no way that garbage was not going to have a garbage moment in the way of a muff. That would kill a team and gift the other a free six. I knew that was going to happen. Just like I knew somebody would drop a potential game-winning TD. That also happened. I knew both of these things would happen. I just didn't know which team would do it. Honestly, I thought that both teams would be muffing and dropping TD passes. Yeah, but give the commanders this. Give them this. They know they're the commanders. They know they can't move the ball. They know that was their best and only chance to house anything at all. So credit, I guess, for recognizing and then cashing that lottery ticket that they were holding in their hand. Then right after the muff, Wentz actually made his best play of the year. His best play of the year. Not just the game, but his best play of the year. Now, of course, when I say that, I'm not talking about some dime he threw over the top. I'm not talking about some scramble. It was a block. His finest moment this year was a block on a running play. Give it to Robinson. To the outside he goes. Wentz throws a block, and Robinson takes the ball to the one-yard line. And it's a crack block, right? <laughs> I mean, he's a, by the way, he is a big man, 6'5", 238 pounds. I mean, it was a hell of a block. This guy may be ass for a quarterback, but that was a hell of a block. And on, on a hell of a player, no less. It all makes so much sense now. The dude is a fullback. He's been out of position all along. So Washington runs it in on the next play, and that, of course, was enough to win that slop fest. Of course, Chicago did get one more look at the end zone and the win, and, of course, they used that opportunity to puke all over themselves and take a big, giant dump in their pants at the goal line. Fourth and goal at the four. 35 seconds left. Fake the pitch. Fields looks, floats it. End zone. Bobble. He snags it, but he didn't get in. Mooney is short of the goal line. Washington has come up with a defensive stand. So you know what that was? That was the very best ending to the very worst game. And the third time, the Bears managed to take a big dump in their pants inside the five. Big dump in your pants. You imagine getting inside the five three different times and having nothing to show for it except a big dump in your pants. Big dump in your pants. Three times they were goal to go inside the five, and not against a good team either. And they turned those three opportunities into zero points and a gigantic dump in their pants. I mean, that's not just bad. 
That is impressively bad. Kind of like Justin Fields himself. Like, I don't want to beat this guy up too much. And in the past, I've actually hyped this guy. I don't want to beat him up too much because dude got his ass beat plenty on the field last night. Check this out. According to ESPN Stats and Info, quote, Justin Fields was pressured 18 times tonight, tied for the most in the game in his career. Fields has now been pressured on 46% of his dropbacks this season. The highest rate of a pressure a quarterback has faced in the first six games of a season since ESPN began tracking pressures in 09. Dude, that is a crazy number. Like, literally, every other time he drops back to pass, he is running for his life. He has a chance to die. A chance to, thank you, have somebody say, hey, we never know when it's our time, but it's his time to die. Like, in other words, he's getting the crap knocked out of him every single time he steps on the field. So, I'm going to give this guy some credit for grit. For real. However, zero credit for missing wide-ass open dudes in the end zone. Zero credit for bouncing a pass off a D-lineman's helmet at the goal line. Zero credit for going 14 of 27 for 190 and a TD and a pick. I understand that this dude is getting no help, but he's not helping himself either. Now, enough about that garbage. The game actually got upstaged twice yesterday. First by that bombshell ESPN report about Dan Snyder and the dossiers of dirt that he's got on the owners and also on the commissioner and his love for Carson Wentz. Then the game got upstaged once again by Ron Rivera after the game reacting to that ESPN bombshell report. No, what's important is these guys, okay? For the last couple of weeks, honestly, I'm going I'm to speak my mind for a second. For Honestly, uh, it, it's been hard. It really has. You lose four games in a row and everybody wants to get you, you know, just get on you. And they've played their asses off. They have. They've played their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard. All right? They don't complain. Okay, they hear all this stuff and they got to deal with it. I get that. And I respect them for that because they're resilient. They come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were at Indianapolis. Okay, and that's what pisses me off because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. I mean, hell yes, Riverboat Ron. Hell to the yes. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. 
The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com and you will thank me later. He is pissed. And he is saying, my quarterback does not deserve that. Hey, I'm a big Ron Rivera guy. And even more so after that rant where he just said it point blank, I'm pissed. Dropping F-bombs, I'm pissed. Taking up for his quarterback. Except for one small problem, Ron. It was only a few days ago that the media asked you, how is it that every other team in the division is doing so well except for yours? And you quickly blurted out, quarterback. 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 So why are you going to war for your quarterback now? Quarterback. Quarterback. I mean, that doesn't really add up, right? That doesn't make sense. You were blaming the quarterback Quarterback. hours earlier, and now you're going crazy that your quarterback doesn't get more respect. I mean, which one is it, Ron? Which one? I've never seen him that upset. It's not every day that you hear Ron letting out F-bombs at a post-game podium. In fact, I don't ever remember seeing that from him before. So I've got no idea whether or not I absolutely love that rant or I hate that rant. To be clear, I love Ron Rivera. Love the guy. He's a dude now. This dude is trying to be a leader here. He's trying to stand up for his guys. He's trying to coach a football team despite the never-ending three-ring circus in that owner's box. And one more thing. When he says, you know what? We had lost four games in a row and everybody's on our ass. Man, these guys are busting ass. They're trying hard. All right, Ron, so what do you want? You want a participation trophy now? They're trying hard. They see what's being said about them. They're professional athletes. They pull a paycheck. You lose four in a row, people are going to say negative things about you. When everybody else in the division has capitalized and turned it around and you're getting your ass beat on the regular, yes, you're going to get criticized. And it's not unfair. But, I mean, is that the hill you want to die on? Taking credit for Carson Wentz, a.k.a. quarterback. You said it yourself. He's the reason that you're not keeping up with them, quarterback. And now you're pissed that we're coming after your quarterback. Quarterback. I don't really see how it can be both those things, much less both those things in a 24-hour period. Another reason to hate last night. The reality is, dossier Dan Snyder's presence is putting everybody in that franchise in a really bad spot. Nothing could be more obvious. And absolutely everybody agrees when we call, can agree on on absolutely nothing, usually. But we all can agree that Snyder is putting everybody in a really bad spot. I mean, it's so obvious that Al Michaels came right out and said it during the broadcast last night. Like, hit the bricks, Dan. Nobody wants you around. Just my feeling, I think what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team. Because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. And we'll see what happens. I think it's got a long way to go. And Dan, very well known for digging his heels into the ground. Pretty amazing. When have you ever heard anything like that from a legend while he's on the air? He didn't just call out Dossier Dan. He's trying to put him in the ground. You know, when Al says, quote, just my feeling. 
Yeah, you and everybody else, Al. And I'm guessing that we know there was more to that little rant than just, quote, Al's feeling. There's no way my man was just spitballing right there. No way he was just shooting from the hip. No way that, yeah, this just came to mind, so I think I'll share it with you. There's so much more to it than that. He doesn't want Snyder around. Neither does anybody else. Neither do the owners. They do. I agree with Al. They want him to stand down. They want him to go away. They want him to sell. But you know that's not going to happen. Into the ground. And if, in fact, they can somehow force this guy out, he's not leaving on his own. There's no way in hell this guy's leaving on his own. And if somehow, some way, they get the gumption and they pull together and they do force this guy out, trust this. He is taking bodies with him. You know he is. If ever anybody has kept receipts, it's that guy. Well, unless you don't believe the ESPN report, which the team denied. Bottom line, bad team, bad situation, bad owner, and one horrible night for every last one of us who are subjected to even one minute of it, much less the entire game. That really was the worst game I've ever seen until the next worst game that I've ever seen. Because I would love to tell you that was rock bottom last night, but you know it's not. It could still get worse. And that's what pisses me off. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help you remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that can sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. You know, your mom likes to tell the story that when you were young, you never made a fuss about anything. You were always kind of soft-spoken. You never really got too hyped or too excited about anything until football. And that's when everything changed. What was it about the sport that hooked you the way it did? I would say just the, uh, you know, there's a lot of different pieces that go into the game. Um, everybody's different. Um, my body is a lot different from an offensive lineman versus a kicker. Um, and, you know, you need everybody to win and just the teamwork that it takes. And um, just that feeling when you do get to win is just something that is hard to replicate in other areas of your life. So it's definitely something that I love and cherish. So let me ask you this. Did you fall in love with it at first when you were a kid watching it as a fan? Or did you fall in love with it the first time you put the pads on and you stepped on the field? Uh, I would say a little bit of both. You know, I grew up watching the uh, Bears and uh, Devin Hester and them. They were a lot better when I first started watching them. But um, watching them on TV and then trying to, you know, go out there and replicate that plan um, is definitely something that, you know, I started doing early and haven't stopped since. I'm not trying to lead you down the wrong path, but I'm guessing watching the Bears last night was not as fun as it was when you were watching them when you were a kid. Um, I mean... Yeah, it was definitely a tough one last night, but uh, I know that they'll uh, rebound and recover for next week and get better. Hey, listen, when you were a kid and you were growing up, you and your dad were huge Bears fans. You know, obviously you liked the guys that got after the quarterback. Who were some of the guys that you looked up to when you were growing up? Uh, I would say uh, Devin Hester for sure. was my He was my favorite player. I like Lance Briggs, uh, Peanut Tillman. He was always make, getting turnovers. And then uh, – just a few years ago, like Khalil Mack is somebody that I still kind of watch uh, his film to see how I can improve my own game. 
We're talking to Andre Carter II. So I'm curious, you're in high school, and because, you, as you point out, your body was different. I mean, you were so tall and you were so lean that they had you catching the football. Whose idea was it to turn you around and then turn you loose on quarterbacks? Uh, so that wasn't until I got to Cheshire Academy, and our team was a little smaller. We didn't have as many people, so they were just like, yeah, we're going to put you at uh, outside backer too. And at first, you know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm a tight end. Like, I just want to play this. And then, you know, slowly you start to realize, oh, I can do this too. And then when I was getting recruited by Army, um, they were saying, we're going to put your outside backer. And so that's kind of when I really bought into it and um, found out that it was probably the best best uh, road for me to go. All right, so that's pretty late in life, actually, to turn around and play the other side of the ball. What was the transition like? Did it come even faster than maybe you expected? Uh, I think it was a quick transition. Um, I really do think that, you know, playing receiver – helps on the defensive side of the ball, especially like breaking in and out of cuts, um, bending around the edge, stuff like that. Being quick, quickness is a big uh, piece to it. So I definitely think it helped me, um, you know, hand-eye coordination, catching the ball. It's all stuff that will translate to the defensive side of the ball. I was going to say overall, like how much better are you defensively for having spent that time on the offensive side of the ball? It helps in everything, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the more more stuff you do, the more experience you get is uh, always going to pay off in the end. Andre Carter the second joining us. You know, you didn't get a ton of looks out of high school, and now you're in a great spot. I mean, a great, great spot, and you're so well-respected. I would say this, though, right? Just because you're soft-spoken doesn't mean you can't also have a chip on your shoulder, do you? And if so, how big is it? Uh, I definitely do have a chip on my shoulder. You know, when we go out there and play um, teams every week, you know, pretty much every team that we play, they didn't look my way in high school, so... I kind of always try to remember that and try to make them regret it by the end of the game just because so many teams just wouldn't even give me a shot in high school. Andre Carter the second joining me for a few more moments. Let me ask you this. How would you describe the rivalry with Navy and what's it like to play in those games? Uh, it's, it's a hard thing to you know wrap your head around how much um, desire we have here to win that game. When you walk around the facility, you'll see that you know, everywhere you turn, just beat Navy, beat Navy. And um, it's one of the best feelings in the world when you do get the job done and vice versa. It's one of the worst feelings when you're unable to like we were last year. So that's definitely something that has motivated us um, so this year. And we've had a slow start this season, but we know that, you know, we still, everything's right ahead of us. We still got a chance to achieve all our goals. We just got to keep working and keep building towards that game in December. Andre Carter II, I was going to ask you about that. Like, explain the high of beating them and then how low it is when you lose to them. You just covered that. What about Air Force? What's that game like? How would you describe that part of the rivalry and that game? What's it like to play that game? Air Force is very similar. You know, I um, that game last year, that was probably the most excited I've been during a football game in my life. Uh, there was just so much emotion on the field and just all the work you put into it going in all the hype around it and go out there and execute and get the job done, you know, there's nothing like it, seeing that come to fruition. So um, similar to Navy, that's one that, you know, is just huge for our program and one that we really want to win. I wonder, Andre, like you guys are all so different, all so different than most anybody else, the service academies. What's that like? I mean, are those rivalries all based in nothing but fundamental respect for one another, or is there some actual dislike? Um. You know, I would definitely say that while we're on the field, there's definitely we're not uh, we don't necessarily like each other. Um, there's dislike between the teams, and 
I think that really just stems from how bad, you know, each service category wants to win those games and how, uh, how much we want it, you know. Um, but after the game, you know, uh, it's all love. And, you know, you want to see them uh, do the best that they can do because, you know, we're all going to serve in the military. But there definitely is dislike, and we all want to beat each other out there on the field. Andre Carter, the second, joining us. You know, you mentioned that the year hasn't gone exactly as planned. The schedule was really unforgiving early on. You guys were 1-4. and four. I'm curious, you know, you're one of the leaders of that locker room. What's the mood like inside the locker room? Was anybody or has anybody hung their head or pointed the finger? Uh, no, definitely not. You know, being an independent team, um, we don't have, like, a conference championship or anything like that, so... Um, our biggest goal coming into the season is always to win the CIC trophy um, and go to a bowl game. And both those goals are still attainable. You know, we're not ruled out of anything. So we know that we just got to keep working and everything that we want to do at the beginning of the season is still comp- can be accomplished. Right, so I know you're locked in. I get that you need to be where your feet are. But have you allowed yourself to imagine what it will be like to hear your name called during the NFL draft and what that will represent to you when it happens? Uh, no, not, not really. I try not to think about that stuff too much. Um, you know, it's still hard to believe the position that I'm in. Uh, it's definitely an honor, but I'm really just trying to focus on, uh, this team right here, this football team we got, and then also trying to, you know, finish up strong at the Academy because it's definitely been a challenge these past, uh, four years and something I'm very excited and very proud of, uh, when I finally be able to graduate from here. Uh, Andre, what is that like? What's it par- like being part of the academy and all the requirements and all the work? And there is so much asked of you as a, you know, it's not your typical student-athlete experience. What is it like being a part of the academy? Um, it's definitely not, you know, it's definitely not easy. It's definitely, I would say, uh, takes a lot. But, you know, you get used to it over the years. And I think that, you know, putting in that extra work now is going to pay off in the long run. And to, um, you know, represent the men and women of the Army, and then so many people that have gone before us um, and so many people that come after us. It's just really an honor to be able to have the privilege to go to a school like this and something that I'm very grateful for. I think that's awesome. So I know you've experienced some mild symptoms this week. Are you still currently in concussion protocol? What's your status for tomorrow's game? Uh, I won't be playing tomorrow. That's got to be tough, right? I mean, obviously, it is what it is. You know what you signed up for. The team's one and four. I know how badly you want to be out there. How tough is it not to be out there? Uh, yeah, you know, it's tough. But um, I have full confidence in our team to uh, get the job done. Um, you know, when one guy goes down, the next guy steps up. That's how it is in the Army, and uh, that's how it is here. So, um I'm excited for the game tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to it. So one last thought. Your D coordinator, Nate Woody, says that they cannot keep you out of the film room. He says you're actually like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady in that regard, which is really high praise. Where does your love of the dark room come from? Why is it so important to spend that much time in there? Um, I would say that Coach Woody has definitely you know, made an impression on me in terms of that. Um, he always talks about guys that he's coached and guys that have been successful. And you know, one of the things that always separates those guys is how much film they watch. Um, somebody who, who he always talks about is Ray Lewis, um, how he wasn't just the greatest athlete in the world, but he watched so much film that his uh, instincts were so great that he was faster than anybody on the field, and that's what's the most important. So, um, you know, I just want to get better and do the best that I can do for my team, and that's one of the ways that I see um, myself improving in that film room.
So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. High Lie is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free High Lie app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. Thank you, Taco. And yes, I made it. We're back, we baby. Woo! Another 365 days in the books. Welcome back to the most badass once a year 15-minute show in the history of media. I challenge you to find another show that's able to pack as much gold in the one singular 15-minute block. It's not easy to do. In fact, it's probably impossible to do. But that's what the Garrett Ritt Show is all about. It's one of one. And it's back for one day and one day only. And today I've got even more gold than usual. As you might know, I'm actually sitting in Jim's seat today, which has not happened the last two years. The last two years, I've been on the side over there. So today, I'm actually seeing everybody. And I got to say, it's kind of terrifying. But we're going to make it work. Uh, but no, I got a bunch of show happening going on today. And there's no Thomas Dolby. Sorry to say ahead of time. He's not making his triumphant return. And I highly doubt we'll be taking any phone calls from Amby or anyone else like that. Sorry, we just had Paul's dog and Mark. Thanks. Mm. Tesco head. That was Ambie. funny. Appreciate that. But I am going to break some serious news in this segment. And I'm going to give you all exactly what you've been begging for the last 365 days. And, of course, that's more of me. In fact, this entire segment's going to be about me, for better or worse. There may be some sports thrown in there. I mean, a little bit. Little droplets here and there. And there'll definitely be. Plenty of strategically placed sound drops from Alvin. But perhaps, potentially, a surprise guest. We may get that a little bit later. And spoiler alert, there's going to be a huge block about my pimp of a boss back there. So uh, more on that soon enough, and apologies ahead of time. With that said, though, no need to uh, mess around any longer and bury the lead. I promise you breaking news, so it's time for me to deliver. Alvy, please. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> From my very first day on this show almost four years ago, hell, within the first couple segments, you guys have been noticing me back there in the XR4TI. You've been calling me old man. You've glossing me Ike because apparently I have the spitting image of a 130-year-old dead president. But I'm not going to dance around it anymore. I'm going to give it exactly what you want, what you've been begging for since the day one of the Ike experience. Because the truth is, as of today, I am old. I mean, as in officially old. Today, I am officially eligible to get 10% off at Krispy Kreme, Steak and Shake, and Outback Steakhouse anytime I walk in the damn door. This is a true story. 
And today I can officially register to be a member of the AARP. That is also a true story because today your boy Ike takes off this glorious Charlotte 49ers jersey, says goodbye to 49, and welcomes 50. Yay! 50 years old, baby. I'm sorry if that took a little bit of mystery out of it all for some of you. There it is, but there it is, man. Halfway to 100, baby. Halfway to 100. And I just take a second to soak it all in and got to say, doesn't feel nearly as bad. You know, 30 and 40 kind of sucked. I'm not going to lie, but 50 is okay, at least not so good. far. So I would say, you know, now that I'm halfway to 100, uh, I would say I'm only halfway through life. But given my strict diet of Taco Bell, Rice Krispie Treats, Swiss Miss, and Dr. Peppers, I know all of you are thinking that me just getting through the weekend would be a win, much less hitting triple digits. But the truth is, it's dudes like me who end up living to a buck 20 while all you health nuts out there are drinking protein shakes and chugging fish oil, eating power bars and, I don't know, maybe vegetables here and there. You all end up keeling over from acute vagina in your late 30s. So you better get used to me because I don't plan on going anywhere. So there you go. Uh, it's out there. Go crazy with it. I'd expect nothing less, but that's just the tip of the iceberg today because now we're going to get into it. Uh, I pretty much was forced to let that cat out of the bag before I introduce this next topic, which brings me now to everyone's favorite segment of the Garrett Ritz Show, Storytime with Ike. And here it goes. I apologize ahead of time, but today's story does not include Garth Brooks. It does not include Bruno Mars or even Steph Curry in Zone 3. Rather, it starts with an email I got a couple of weeks ago from a guy I used to work with way back in my days at Charlotte. So you do the math. You now know my age. You got to believe that a few of you can figure out how old it's been, how long it's been since I graduated, summa cum last in my class over there, having the best five and a half years of my life. So my guy, Mark Cologne, back there, he was the athletic director, or one of the athletic directors back then. He's the huge in that athletic department. He's even bigger now. He's a legend. Uh, he sends me a previously unearthed article that I wrote for the Charlotte School paper called the University Times. This is going somewhere, I promise. Uh, this was 28 years ago that I wrote this article. 28 years. And that, which, I mean, seriously, other than me, who the hell is keeping articles of mine from 28 years ago that I wrote in college? That is some serious stalker type stuff right there. But somebody did. Cologne found it. So it's out there. And dare I say, it's pretty scandalous. Honestly, it's going to be pretty embarrassing for me to bring this up. But if it's out there, you know how it works. Someone's going to find it, which just happened. Someone's going to out me. Someone's going to post this thing on social. Next thing you know, I'm going viral for all the wrong reasons. So I felt like I had no choice but to get this out ahead of this thing now. So I'm going to be the one to break this before anybody else does. So brace yourself because here we go. Uh, the title of this 28-year-old unpaid amateur college article reads, does the sports media go too far in interviews? And it's dated April 21st, 1994, with the byline, Garrett Ritt, Times Assistant Sports Editor. 
Now, I don't know if you need, I don't need to tell you and give you a refresher course about just what went down 15 days prior to that on April 6th, 1994. But if you do need a refresher, I'll let my lead paragraph of this article do the work for me. Quote, athletes and the sports media have forever had a somewhat tenuous relationship. That relationship took another shot in the foot when newly acquired Saints quarterback Jim Everett had a not-so-friendly encounter with ESPN2 talk show host Jim Rome a couple weeks ago. Boom, baby. Bomb. I believe you can probably imagine what I was thinking when I saw this article 28 years later drop in my email box. But uh, I can see where you may hear that and think, Dude, you work for the guy that you wrote an article about 28 years ago, and you're holding this info until now? I mean, you've been here four years. This can't possibly be real. It's a joke. This whole segment's BS. And I got to say, that's probably fair. It's a fair criticism, I guess. But you'd be wrong. Because I, as Bob Sala says, have the receipts. This article is 100% real. In fact, I'm holding the article right now in my hands. You guys may not be able to see it, if you're not watching on CBS Sports Network. But cut straight from the newspaper article in my school newspaper 28 years ago. I went and dug in my old archives at home, and boom, there it was, mint condition, since I haven't touched a thing in almost three decades. So, trust me, this is 100% dangerous for me to be talking about this out loud, especially with a certain tan smack me in my damn face sitting within striking distance of me right now. So, But... If you really think that I hatched a plan 28 years ago to torch the biggest name in sports media in between fraternity parties and winning most uh, multiple intramural ping pong championships, true story, in the hopes that one day, years later, I'd move 3,000 miles away, biding my time for 15 more radio years, which are way longer than any other kind of years, just to get myself in the perfect position to perhaps get hired as a low man on the Jim Rome totem pole in my 40s, well, then you're giving me way too much damn credit. I mean, talk about playing the long game. Okay, well, of course, this article gets nothing but more and more cringy with each and every graph, but uh, you want to talk about cringe? I got some, because hey, about after that, I found some way to compare Everett to both Bobby Bonilla and Ray Handley, of all people. And then I was given some more deep thoughts about the role of the media. Quote, the media has an important position in the sports world. And they are abusing that power. Oops. It's not a problem when they want to report on the games, the players, or newsworthy events. The problem occurs when they attempt to become a reason for the news themselves, as in the Everett Rome case. Damn. I mean, will you check out the cojones on this dude saying that right now? Cojones. I mean, I don't know what's more hilarious. The 21-year-old assistant sports editor at the Charlotte School newspaper having, having all the answers to the future of sports media or that that same 21-year-old somehow was just taking the first step of his 25-year master plan to one day reign terror upon his future boss as a member of his staff, knowing full well that Jim would put me on the air 15 minutes every year for me to have the platform to even bring this up. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, in, in the sense that it could make sense, I mean, I was... Spinning takes for days back in the 1990s, so just like he was. So I guess we we're probably made for each other in some weird kind of way. But, hell, I'm going to continue. I know it's a, probably against my better judgment, but 
Let's uh, keep Operation Career Tank job going. Quote, Mr. Rome decided to take his interview with Everett a little bit too far, and because of that, it'll probably end up hurting Everett's reputation. Moreover, it'll likely improve Rome's. End of story. Boom! Nailed it! <laughs> I think it's safe to say that our boy Chris Everett's career was never the same, and even safer to say that Jim kind of came out of this okay. My man Lil Romeo is up there in the booth still killing it after 28 years, and without him and the power of the October 14th Mafia, I wouldn't be here today. So, here's to Jim yet again for letting me spit fire on our birthday for the third straight year. I know he can't stand hearing this, but a very happy 58th to you, sir. It's online. I can't hide it. It's there. And a happy birthday to all my other October 14ers out there, including a very special guest. We only got a minute, but he has a very special message for us today. And you may know him as Brick on General Hospital, but I know him because, of course, I'm Ike. I know everybody. New York, hit this. My brother, my brother, what's going on, my man? I hear somebody's birthday today. That ain't me. That would be you, my man. I just wanted to reach out to say happy birthday. It's been a long time since I've seen you, but I watch you every chance I get. I listen to you every chance I get. I always appreciate you. I always love you. You've always been good to me. I'm going to always be good to you. You're my brother, my Libra brother. Same day in the whole bit. See how greatness happens? It started with you, and it ends with you too, my man. Always. Happy birthday. Dude, Stephen A. giving me all kinds of love right there. Dude, how about that? It started with me. It ends with me. How cool is Stephen A. to pull that off, man, and say happy birthday? Wait, you think that was for Jim? Come on now. Come on now. I hooked that up. <laughs> all right, fine. Thank you, though, Stephen A. That was awesome of you. That, I, you did, that guy did that during his show this morning in between commercials on First Take. So thanks so much for Stephen A. for pulling that off. You are a champion. And a huge thanks to everybody else for giving me my third year behind the seat. If Craig Kitchen, Alvy, Chalk, Big Head, of course, Jim, uh, everyone here, Cindy for making me look good today and for the 50th birthday cake out there. Sharon, Nate, Dave, Jake, Einer, Ben, Stu, the rest of the crew, all you guys for making me look good. And thanks to all you clones, too, uh, all the fans of the show for being so cool to me over these last four-plus years in the jungle. So that's my time for this year. Of course, will there be a Garrett Rich show next year? I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I am a little worried because it just so happens that October 14th next year, 2023, falls on a Saturday. As our man Weber might say, a Saturday. So who knows what will happen. All I know is, though, that I'm out of here today, baby. Straight into the car and heading straight for a three-day resort-filled week of bourbon, golf, and dinners being bought and paid for by someone other than me. So thanks again, everyone. And now, finally, not a minute too soon, to the legend that's been waiting for me all day, my man, Rich Smackerman. Rich, take the update, baby. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it, 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, 
Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and it's clean on your skin and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know, you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. Chip Kelly is my guest. Chip, it is great to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Romy. How are you doing? Good, Chip. Good. I mentioned 6-0, number 11 in the AP poll. You're coming off that huge win over Utah. How are you feeling about your team right now? We're good. We literally just got off the practice field. We, had our, uh, we practiced in the morning here. Friday morning's in the books, and then uh, our guys are getting ready to go to class, and then they'll be off tomorrow. Um, and then we're back for our, our prep starting for the big, big game at Oregon uh, next weekend. That is a huge game, Chip. I know you like to have your, quote, improvement week. That's what this was. What's the thinking behind that, and then how did it go this week? Um, I think you always have to get better every day. You know, and I think when some people – I think every mindset is a huge deal for us. So if you tell them it's a bye week, then, then the week's not that important. Well, it's critical every time we get on the practice field um, that we're trying to improve. And there's so many different things, whether it's offensively, defensively, or special teams-wise, that we can get better at every day. So, you know, we were out, we were off on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We practiced Wednesday and Friday. Um, we had a film session and lifting on Monday. So our guys um, got some time off to get their bodies fresh for next week. But we also got some really good work. We got good working on Wednesday and good working on Friday. Chip Kelly joining us. I'm glad, or I should say, I love that you mentioned mindset, Chip. I could talk to you about that for weeks and weeks and weeks. In terms of mindset, if there's kind of a brief answer to it, and I know it's tough, but what kind of a mindset are you looking for from your players? We're looking for a bunch of guys that are lifelong learners, that have a growth mindset, you know, and not a fixed mindset. Um, and then understand that if, if we can be better on a daily basis, um, if you continue to stack good days on top of good days, then, then you're going to have a shot. You know? And I think it's those little victories on a daily basis that you can kind of that, that keep you going. You know, we have a long-term vision of what we want to get accomplished, but we really have to look at it from a short-term prospect in terms of what am I going to do today so that I'm a little bit better on Friday than I was on Thursday. And if I can do that, um, it's about stacking good days on top of good days. And I, I think we got a bunch of kids that do that. Um, I think the best thing our kids do here is every day. Um, now, being good every day is hard. You know, that's the, that's the one lesson I think all of us need to, need to learn and to try to continue to work on is can I do every day well? And, and I, we've we got a bunch of guys that are striving to do that, and I think they're doing a really good job at it. See, I love that. That's why I asked that question. So the flip side of that, what is the other side? What is a fixed mindset? What does that look like? What are you trying to guard against? Guard against, hey, this is how we did it in the past, and this is how we're going to continue to do it. You know, I think we – we're always trying to see is how can we do this better than we did it before? Um, you know, I think sometimes people get stubborn. All of us are stubborn and like, no, I don't want to try something new because I'm, I'm afraid, you know, not because I don't think it'll work. It's because I'm afraid to kind of get outside my comfort zone. I think when you can really get comfortable being uncomfortable um, and living your life on the edge, I think that's when you really grow as a person. Chip Kelly joining us. Now, Chip, I've, I've spoken to him, but I've not spent a lot of time around him. But the guy that you're describing, in fact, you might have a team full of guys like that, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson seems like he is that guy, right? I think he's had a really, really nice career and probably better than he gets credit for. He's having another sure. big season. 
How much of that is about him having a growth mindset and continuing to improve? And then how much of that is maybe he's got a little more help around him? Um, I think it's a combination of everything. I don't think there's any concrete answers. We all look for the quick soundbite that this means this. Um, you know, it's, it's a long, arduous process that we go through. Um, but the one thing I love about Dorian is he is a lifelong learner. Um, he, he very rarely makes the same mistake twice, um, and which is cool because we're a byproduct of our experiences. So, you know, for Dorian to have the success that he's had this season, um, it, it's interesting because he's had success in other seasons. He's had some unbelievable games in his, in his career here at UCLA. He just became the all-time leading touchdown passer in UCLA history. So it's not like he just showed up and started playing well now. I think he's been playing well for a long time. Um, maybe he didn't get the credit that some other guys get, but we, we kind of go with the mantra of praise and blame is all the same. And we don't really, we don't play this game for what people are going to say about us. We play this game for what it's going to help us become. Chip Kelly joining us. I agree. Not only has he played big in the past, he's played big in big moments in big games. What yeah. about your running back, Chip? Zach Charbonnet, I love this guy. I mean, I, I love oh. this guy. What is he like for you to utilize as a weapon? And then what does he bring to the team? He's awesome. You know, he's almost like we kind of joke that he's a cyborg. He's a, he is just a machine that, that every day um, there, there's such a consistency to his work ethic, to his approach, to his mindset. And he had that way before he came here. That's nothing that we instilled in him. He's just, he's a really special young guy to be around. And I think all the guys in our team, when they watch him work and watch him do what he does on a daily basis, he ups everybody else's game. You know, you're, you're trying to keep up to him. He's, he's the proverbial rising tide that lifts all boats. And, you know, when you have, like, you know, you have a good team when your best players are your hardest workers. And I really believe we have that at, at all levels. You know, I think our guys on defense are like that. Our best players on defense are our hardest workers. Our best players on offense are our hardest workers. So I think that's why we're winning. And that's why the success we're having right now is really because of the leadership we're getting from our players. UCLA coach Chip Kelly joining us. I'm so glad you brought that up, Chip. I was going to ask you about that. Like, when you talk about your best players being your hardest workers, I've talked to so many coaches, and everybody likes to talk about the importance, Chip, of having a player-led team. What does that mean, really? And then does this particular group qualify as that? It does. I I think we, we, as a coaching staff, articulate a vision, um, but they have to implement it. And I think that's what they do with their actions. You know, we, everybody talks about the beginning of the year, we want to be this, 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 and this. But not, not everybody wants to do the work that it takes to do that. Um, this group does. And, and that's what's, what's awesome about him. You know, we didn't practice on Tuesday here. You know, and I looked out on the field after, after, um, after a lift. There was about 45 guys on the field doing drill work. You know, and it looked like we had practice, but it was an off day. And it was all led by the players. You know, and it's just the mindset that they have, they constantly want to get better. They constantly want to improve. So um, this is very much a player-led operation here. That's got to feel great seeing that as a coach. Chip Kelly joining us. You know, Chip, it's always for coaches and players both. It's always about fit, right? So when that speculation, Mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine you've already been here five years now, but when the speculation first started that you might come to UCLA, I found it fascinating. Like I loved it, but yeah, and especially given your background, because you've had a lot of really unique experiences as a head coach and working where you've worked, in terms of fit and feel, when you first had that, or when they first approached you, did you think, man, that is a no-brainer? That makes perfect sense to me. Or did you think, you know, L.A.'s kind of a different deal. Let's think about this for a minute, about that fit and that feature, the way you fit with them and them with you. What did you think? Yeah, I never really think about the area, so to speak. You know, I think because as a coach, you work, you know, you leave your house at 
five in the morning and you come home at 10 o'clock at night. So it's really not where you're living from a geographical standpoint, but it's what are the, um, how aligned is the, the chancellor and the athletic director and uh, with the vision that you have. And the one thing I love about this place is it's the number one public institution in the country. Um, they're going to challenge you academically and they're going to challenge you athletically, you know, and, and the type of kids that want to come be a part of this campus um, to be challenged both athletically and academically are the kids you want to coach. You know, there's a, we have a bunch of self-started, motivated guys. I don't worry about, are my guys going to class? They, if, if I was worried about guys going to class, they probably wouldn't have picked this place. You know, so I think some of the problems that maybe some other guys may have, um, and, and they're more of babysitting type jobs sometimes. For us, it's, we, we have a bunch of kids that are, they're, they're full go gung-ho in everything they do, whether it's academics, whether it's athletics, whether it's um, making an impact socially. You know, it, it's, it's really cool to be around these kids and, and, you know, I know this group here in 10 or 15 years are going to be um, good husbands, good fathers, leaders in the communities. And it's, you know, you get to be with them for, for that four years, that formative four years from 18 to 22. Um, but th- they get you excited. It's exciting to be around these type of kids. I can tell, Chip. I can tell how energized you are by this group. Chip Kelly joining us. So, Chip, I mean, it, I know it came as no surprise that ultimately you would end up in the Big Ten. But I am curious, when it became a fact and it became a reality, even if you knew it was coming, when it did become final, what was the first thing that went through your mind? What did you think? You know what? I didn't know anything about it until the day it happened. Really? Um, yeah. They, they kept it under wraps pretty good. Um, when I got the phone call to say that there was going to be a vote in a, an hour or two about both us and um, Southern Cal going to the um, Big Ten, you know, my initial question was, well, when is that going to happen? Um, and they said two years. And I said, all right, we'll talk to you in two years. Then. Yeah, right, right. Because <laughs> really, for me, our, my focus is this team and this year. You know, Dorian is not going to play in the Big Ten. Zach is not going to play in the Big Ten. So I think it's a great move for our university, and I was 100% behind it. Um, I understand the reasons they made the decision, and I, I'm all for that. But really, my focus and attention is on the 2022 season. So I kind of, once I got the timetable, I just went back to, all right, we're, you know, nothing's really changed for this team. And, and that's the most important thing for us right now is this team. Chip, I pride myself on being somebody, you know, for better or for worse. As somebody who does interviews, I pride myself on listening to what the other person is saying. So don't think for a second that I didn't hear what you just said. You're worried about this team and what's in front of you. That said, I'm going to ask you about something that's not right in front of you. You and Ryan Day are obviously very, very close. You guys go way, way back. You run similar offenses. What do you make of the job that he's done at Ohio State? And then what do you think it's going to be like the first time you take your guys to the shoe to play them? First off, uh, Ryan's doing an unbelievable job. And and the backstory to all of that is I was actually playing golf with Ryan when I got the phone call saying we were going to the Big Ten. So they told you can't tell anybody. I said, well, I'm sitting next to the head coach of Ohio State. So, Hey, Chip, um, did he – I'm sorry to interrupt. Did he know any more about that than you did? I was told not to say anything. And then when we got to, I think, the 16th hole, he just kind of looked at me and I looked at him. We just smiled. But when I'm told not to say anything, I didn't say anything until it was announced. That's funny. um, But it's the same thing with him. He knew we weren't going in for two years, so we weren't going to potentially play each other for two two years. And and in in football itself, that's a long time. So, um, But I think he's doing a tremendous job at Ohio State. They're they're obviously one of the top one or two teams in the country right now. Uh, and for a reason, you know, I think they're really well coached. They got a lot of really talented players. Um, and if we ever have to go to the horseshoe and play them, um, that's going to be a tall task for us. But um, 
I think we both enjoy it. I appreciate that response. Let me ask you before you go, you're killing it. You're killing it at UCLA. Things are going so well right now. And again, I know better than to ask you about anything other than what's right in front of you, but you and I have had so many conversations over the years. You had a couple of 10-win seasons with Philadelphia in the NFL. You had the one year with the Niners. When you think back, Chip, on your time in the NFL as a head coach, what kind of thoughts do you have, and do you ever miss it? I loved it. You know, I, I, I love the players, and I don't know if the people understand how how special the players are. You get a chance to coach up D'Amico Lyons or Darren Sproles or Malcolm Jenkins or Jason Kelsey or Zach Ertz, and the list goes on and on. Um, they, they, they just want to get better, um, and if you can help them get better, they're, they're awesome. So I, I had a great experience. I, I've lived a very, very charmed life, Jim. So um, my experience, whether it was at New Hampshire or Oregon or in the NFL or here, um, I consider myself pretty lucky dude. No doubt. So finally, you've got that tremendous opportunity. You go back to Oregon. You know, I'm not going to ask you what that's like. You've already done that a couple of times. How much attention this week, though, during Improvement Week, Chip, do you focus on Oregon? And when you look at them this year, what kind of concerns do you have about them? What do you see on tape? They're good. You know, they're really good on tape. They've obviously um, have recruited at a high level for a really long time up there. So, um, But this week was more about us from a fundamental standpoint. The, the nuts and bolts of our game plan and all those other things won't go into Monday because – that's what a normal week is for us. So to get out over our skis a little bit, I think would be giving the wrong message to our players also. So they knew what we wanted to get accomplished. Just the way we've always kind of handled improvement week. Um, <clears throat> but we'll get, we'll get ready for, for Oregon and Ernest, a really good Oregon football team in Ernest uh, starting on Monday when we get back on. When we get back Sounds to, to me like you hit the fundamentals this week. That's what that was all about, mm-hmm. right? I hope so. I hope it's all good. So you got we'll see if we get back on the field on Monday. You know it, Chip. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Always good to get caught up with you and always good to have you in the jungle. Thank you very much, Chip. All right, Romy. Thanks, buddy. Great to talk to you. In Hollywood. Mark, what's going on, dude? Jim, we are the horse crap eating, light pole greasing, Santa Claus booing, championship riot looting, battery chucking, bathroom stall wrestling, greatest city in the world, Philadelphia. Yo, Jim, everything is coming up Philly these days, right? I mean, the Phillies stole home field and are about to make the Braves rename themselves the Atlanta baseball team. And the Eagles are going to whoop Dallas so bad this weekend that Jarrah's wax face is going to fully melt off and his 30 illegitimate kids will have to file new lawsuits renaming the defendant Skeletor. But that's not why I called. Nah, Jim, what's top of mind right now is that this Saturday, my number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions going into that blue and maize factory of suck, Michigan. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not intimidated by their inflated number five ranking. We know the pollsters love giving Jim Harbaugh the Darnay Holmes treatment if you see me working. But in reality, the biggest threat Michigan has to throw at Penn State is a few drunk frat boys who carry roofies in their cargo shorts and gonorrhea. And as a wise man once said, gonorrhea is the great equalizer. But I have a question, Romy. Remember before the season when a journo asked Jim Harbaugh what he would tell one of his players that was dealing with an unwanted pregnancy? And Harbaugh said, and I quote, rather than have an abortion, I told him to have that baby. Me and my wife will raise that baby. Well, does that include former Michigan players as well? Because when that lying, cheating, plastic-chin divorcee Tom Brady aborted half his face, did Harbaugh and his wife jump in and offer to take care of that thing? Yo, Romy, can't you just see Harbaugh lowering Brady's face into a little face-sized crib? 
Then at practice between tackle drills, Harbaugh whips out his nips and breastfeeds Tommy's face in public. Hell, maybe he'll go all Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs with it and wear Brady's face so his wife can finally enjoy her Darnay Holmes treatment. I guess what I'm trying to say, Michigan fan, you desperate, desperate skank, is that this is the same guy that spent all summer cheating on you with the Minnesota Vikings, practically begging them to become their head coach, publicly admitting that he wanted the job, and when they finally told his fat, tacky ass to hit the bricks, you let him walk back into your school and believe him when he tells you that this is the place he wants to be? He's using you, girlfriend. He's doing the same thing to you that Urban Meyer does to an unexpected co-ed's ass. Dry hump you till he gets what he wants and then denies that you ever existed. Hell, at this point, you're probably begging for Penn State to put you out of your inbred Midwestern misery. Hail to those whiny bitches. Hail to venereal itches. Hail, hail to Michigan, the cesspool of the world. Hail to not using rubbers, hail to those sister lovers, hail, hail to Michigan, the cesspool of the world. It's 10.08, and Michigan still sucks. Happy birthday, Jim, and Rit, don't screw up, testicle head. Freaking no words, dude. That was incredible. Hey, testicle head, did you hear that? But Paul's dog. What's up, Pooch? Happy birthday to Garrett Ritt. I'm not going to say that Ritt is old, but I will say that when he got his first car, he had to put his feet through the floor and then run to make it go. And it had a pterodactyl for a windshield wiper. When Ritt was a kid... He and his pals had this newfangled fad called Rolling Stone. Today, we call it The Wheel. <laughs> Roar! Rit! Going to the five-minute dry cleaning. They take a look at him, and they ask him to pay up front. Ruff me, rum route. Pause, dog. <laughs> Go ahead. Do what you do every time that guy calls. Yeah, I know. The worst caller ever. Brought the show down. Ruined my day. The dog still makes me laugh. He used to play Rolling Rock. It turned into the wheel. Victor. No cow. What's up, Vic? Oh, my God. What a tire fire of a segment that was. Goodness. Goodness gracious. Dude, that was the radio equivalent of that dump the Sooners left on the field the other day against Texas. I mean, Oklahoma had, what, like 39 passing yards in that game? 39? How is that even possible? I mean, what, did the Longhorns have Ed Reed and Ronnie Lott back there playing safety for them? Who do they have at cornerback? Gandalf the Gray? You shall not pass! Anyway, uh, back to Ritt here. You know, first of all, Ritt, stop lying Okay, there's no way in hell that you're 50, okay? Maybe if you're counting in decades, yeah. I mean, 50 decades old, not years. Kind of like the same way Caleb in Green Bay measures his weight in stone instead of pounds. I mean, come on, Rome. I'm sitting here watching the CBS Sports Jungle Simulcast on my TV. Everything is in full, crystal clear HD. 
But then the camera pans over to Rit, and he's in Technicolor. Rit, my man, I hate to tell you this, but I think you're too damn old for HD, okay? You're no longer a compatible format, old man. You're like the human VHS cassette, Rit. You know CBS Sports already has one of those in-memoriam packages prepared for Rit. You know, one of those eulogy packages that they're ready to run with as soon as he croaks, which could be any day. Oh, and by the way, uh, nice name too, Rit. Garrett Rit. I mean, what, did Alvin Vin not want any of that? Did James Ames not want any of that, Rit? How about Robert Burt or Justin Tin? Is my name Vic Ick? Come on, Rit, get a better name, bro. Rome, your boy Rit is so damn old, he saw the passion of the Christ live. Rit is so damn old, every time he throws a party at his house, he has people bobbing for apples. Rit is so damn old, whenever he gets sick, instead of looking for a pharmacy, he goes to an apothecary. Rit is so damn old. When he graduated high school, the number one song in America was Mr. Sandman. No, not Enter Sandman. Mr. Sandman. Rome, I want you to picture something, okay? I want you to picture Rit with his prom date in the backseat of the family Studebaker getting busy to this song. That's the image you're going to see from now on every time you hear this song. You're welcome. Romy Rome, since the days when the guy from Duran Duran was on the treadmill next to you at the hotel gym, your boy Mud in L.A. has had your back, pimp. But that's not why I called. I just called to say, war, irate Craig, using sausage casing as a condom. Outro. Victor. I, I mean, I was waiting patiently, and it was not a hard wait because it was so good. A really good call. But I was waiting patiently for you to finish so I could drop that free pay-per-view on you before you went with that War Ira Craig using sausage casing as a condom. Alvin, can we in good faith give him something free for ending a phone call like that? It's yours, dude. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. It is the Jim Rome Show. Starring me, Jim Rome. What's up? Hope you had a great weekend. Nice to have you here. 1-800-636-8686. You have to make it better or you can't come on. Or you can make it much worse and then you can come on. Give me an A or give me an F. Father time is undefeated. Sex is undefeated. Yeah, we'll add Justin Tucker in big spots. He's on the way from Tucker, and it is good. Wow. Just a system kicker. The ball kicks itself at that point. Those kicks do not kick themselves. They go in because the go kicks them. That was insanely aggressive by the Chargers. Brandon Staley, what was your thought process there? You know, I had full confidence that, that we would make it. I would do the same thing again. You know, our mindset was to go be aggressive and win that game. You 
shall not pass. Surely they didn't call slinging him down. Oh, yes, this they did. This will be a horrendous call. Why not just put flags on that Kevin Bacon lookalike in a red jersey while you're at it? Because clearly you are not allowed to touch KB45. Brutal. He doesn't have to make weight. So why is his weight an issue today? Because you're lazy. Here's the irony. Calling him fat is an extremely fat take. You follow me? You follow me, camera guy? follow me, camera guy? He is Charles Robinson. What's going on, brother? Brother. The first coach firing down the pipeline. I guess now we're really kicked off. Guys are losing their job. Romy Rome since the days that 34 was rocked in Los Angeles by the likes of Valenzuela and Bo Jackson. I've had your back. How do you repay that? A golden ticket. I got a golden ticket. My bleeping show. Both of his receivers were on the ground, but they... Why was there no flag thrown then? You saw the contact. He just blew up the receiver. Monty's like, damn, they can lay the lumber. Oh, that was you, Renfro. Go to Peyton. He's gonna break down that touchdown. Can't hear Never mind. Eli Manning joining us. Whose idea was the Manning cast? Hey, me and you on the couch, telling stories, talking ball at times, but not always keeping it everything about football. A little memo to Tyree Kill. You miss a or is it more fun getting blown out by the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets? But you're not going to come here and disrespect me and my team and my school. Now that's coaching beef. They want to throw up. Dion was looking around like, dude, did that just happen? The only thing missing from that was, you know who the hell I am? Shake my hand and get the hell off. He does, Prime. He just doesn't care. Sean Alexander, my man, Sean, how you doing, dude? Brother, I'm doing good. Good to see you again. Do you have a favorite Cortez Kennedy story? I look over there and I see him eating a hot dog, you know what I mean? Talking about 3-7, don't tell nobody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that was Tez. <laughs> The reality is that when you're playing against your daddy, you need to try to Twitter. Roger Jano, get Logs. Wake up, wake up. We're going to the panic room. G-Off is still tweeting. Get the kids. Get the cats. Go, go, go. Here's my beef. One kid's entire family stayed for the party. Both obese parents, two fat brothers, and now I'm buying pizza for three generations of this freeloading loser family. Give them a pay-per-view. The pod is free. What the hell you want from me? Hey, Rome, why don't you get your ass on an airplane, come to my house, I will give you my phone, and you can put the bets in for me. You know, everybody wants to ride in the new car and everybody wants to drive the new car, but nobody wants to clean the new car. So I pull up to one of those self-wash car wash bays. Ah. And now my shit too. Won't even come outside to shit. He is Deontay Wilder. I already got the okay from the family to come back and, and provide my, my service to the greatness. And here I am, my second phase of my career. One last time. Now a new friend wants to join our party. Hello, friend. <laughs> Look, I'm like, yes. Yes, sweetheart. I am aware of how the rally monkey works. It sucks. Hey, Kathleen. Who is Johannes? I have some of his music on pause right now. Here. Thank you for clearing that up, Kathleen. Now I understand. The drive slot. Every one of us that plays this game, whether it's for a living, whether it's softball guy, yeah, there you go. Did not care about my emotions and just let myself have all those feels just go crazy around the base. Carlisle joining us. I was going to ask you about Ben Matherin. <clears throat> Multiple times he's come to me, you know, since summer league. <clears throat> he said, Coach, you can say anything to me. <clears throat> Dude, you do not need to remind me. <laughs> okay. Right. It's called America's finest city, not America's felony city. Hail to not using rubbers. Hail to those sister lovers. Hail, hail. Don't screw up, testicle head. The problem occurs when they attempt to become a reason for the news themselves, as in the Everett Rome case. Damn. Check out the cojones on this dude. Cojones. You all end up keeling over from a cute vagina in your late 30s. Here I am, 
on my 35th year, and we're talking, hey, Lynn, we're talking about the idiot Booker. We're talking about that idiot bald eagle back there. You know, CBS Sports already has one of those in-memoriam packages prepared for it. You know, one of those eulogy packages that they're ready to run with as soon as he croaks, which could be any day. Alumni dog. Alumni. Holy smokes, Murph. Donna Gain McRibs. Jim, thanks a bunch, man. Say, man, good to hell on. 254 homers. To, uh, excuse me. Thanks, Jill. I mean, Jim. Goodbye, Karen. Blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, raspberries. Three more years, baby. And I'm out. Yo, Holmes, smell Yo, you later. Smell you later. Thanks so much, Jim. Be well, pal. Shout out to Murder She Wrote. Outro. I hear somebody's birthday today. So who knows what'll happen? All I know is, though, that I'm out of here today, baby. Good night now! Good night now!